Hi, Eleanor. Hi, Leanne. How are you guys? Hi, good. How are you? All good. Thank you. So it's 7 p.m. here in New York time. Uh, where are you? Let us know where are you and what time is it over there? We're in Sydney, Australia, and it is 9 a.m. and the middle of winter. <laughs> oh, my God. That's raining. <laughs> raining in the middle of winter yeah I mean I see Eleanor wearing like such a comfy sweater I wish I had one too but yeah. in New York we're the opposite right now it is absolutely summer like the middle of summer in New York we are right now at around 30 degrees um, Celsius which is super super uh, warm you step out of your apartment without an AC and like you start sweating immediately um, yeah, so that's how we are. And um, so the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with both of you today is because the last time that we were speaking, I feel like we had so many things to talk about. I feel like everybody kept almost interrupting each other because we wanted to contribute. <laughs> you know, there was so much, uh, so, so many things to say. Um, and we were talking about the rental market, right? And, and the difference between the rental market and the sales market a little bit uh, between New York and Sydney, Australia, which is absolutely fascinating. I believe that um, Leanne was sharing last time with us that you've seen um, an incredible um, amount of uh, inventory kind of like shortage over there. Like there are no places uh, in which people can you know, find for housing? Is that it? Yeah, people are definitely struggling. Uh, people who are, I guess, being, their their contracts are being terminated and they need to find somewhere else to live or they, they've chosen to relocate to a different place. They're struggling to, to actually find somewhere. So some people are within their notice period and, and still have nowhere to live. Mm. So, so apparently um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an Australia-wide problem. Um, Melbourne and Sydney PCs are the only place where there's actually more rentals available. The vacancy rates are growing because everybody's working from home. We're actually still in lockdown here um, or we've gone back into lockdown. So nobody wants to be in the city. Everybody's moving out into the regional areas. So everywhere other than central um, downtown, as you guys call it, Sydney and Melbourne, um, yeah, there's a massive shortage. Rental prices are increasing astronomically and vacancy rates are zero in some places. How insane is that? Oh my God. And what do you, what do you think that's happening? I remember that Eleanor, the last time that we were talking, um, you mentioned something that I found really interesting. Uh, and it's a big difference between New York and Sydney, I believe. And that is that you were mentioning that a lot of the units for rent in Sydney or, or Australia in general, maybe, um, are usually owned and leased by small owners. So like everyone has one or two properties that they lease out, as opposed to New York, in which a landlord technically uh, usually has a portfolio of hundreds, if not thousands yeah. of units, you so know. different. Yes, yeah. so we have about one third of our uh, rental properties here are mom and dad owners. So it's just, you know, couples, perhaps they've retired or young professional couples looking for investment properties to supplement their income um, or their retirement. Uh, and that leads to a lot of uh, ongoing issues. Um, for example, when repairs need doing, often these people 
can't afford to do them you know any any expenses out of pocket unexpected um don't get done a lot of the time there was actually a big <laughs> survey uh or a, a, an article came out in a national newspaper here a couple of weeks ago about the um properties that people rental properties that people are living in the standard of living is yeah. so low there are so many people living with mold and you know health and safety issues that just don't get fixed because these mom and dads firstly they don't really understand their legal obligations and secondly you know they can't afford these out-of-pocket expenses so it leads to a very different um very different rental market here and so question because the, the, there's something really interesting here you said that uh, that it is your belief that most small owners likely don't understand the, the legal requirements that they need to provide for their tenants. Do you think that that's the case? Or, or do you think that there's a, a maybe like a, a, an organization in, in Australia that is, um, like in here in New York, we have REPNY, right? The Real Estate Board of New York, which is an organization that fights for tenants and, and creates laws that protect tenants and like the regulations and they work closely with the government. Do you guys have something similar in Australia that it's like, like an organization in charge of fighting for the tenant? I don't think we do, not for the tenant. So we have state by state uh, institutions, like you said. So we have Real Estate uh, Institute in New South Wales, for example, here in New South Wales. Um, and each state has its own, but that's that's for the landlord. Leanne, do you know of any for the tenant? Well, they'd, have the, they'd have the fair trade-in. So everyone has their own, every tenant, every state has their own tenant rights and laws, <clears throat> as well as the landlord. But I think it's a lack of education more than anything. I wouldn't say it's not necessarily there. It could definitely be tightened up. I just think when people are purchasing these properties for investment, they're not thinking of the whole picture. They're thinking, great, I've got the property, but they're not thinking of their ongoing obligation to the tenant. So for them, it's just an asset for a future in life. And the rest is just, I think it's just an inconvenience. So mm. they do whatever the bare minimum is. And because of the rental shortage, People are too scared to say anything if it doesn't meet the requirements or they want something changed in case the, the landlord just goes, okay, then see you later, I'll get another tenant because then they'd struggle to find somewhere. So people are living in, I guess, conditions that they shouldn't because they're too scared to rock the boat and landlords are actually not fulfilling their obligation and there's nothing that's really enforcing them to, like they're not getting fined, they're not getting uh, reprimanded if, if things aren't there but also people aren't reporting it because people are too scared so it's kind of a sort of a knock-on effect really it's funny actually we had just this morning somebody <laughs> commented we run a facebook group here um, for tenants to ask their questions we have a number of professionals in the group um, that help answer those questions and somebody posted this morning um, about their agent who um, was unlicensed has been operating oh, for this. six years and she'd, she'd raised this with the Fair Trade in New South Wales and they had just closed complaints without looking into it at all um, with a very dismissive email, she said. And this is, um, it sounded like she got passed between a few different agencies as to whose remit it was um, around the, the licensing of the agent. But so this agent has been operating for six years and nobody's interested to know that they're not even licensed. Oh my but it's god! Because they were out in the they're out in the country, 
So yeah. um, it's how it was done. It's it's so, something uh, uh, a big difference that I see between uh, the the predominant tone that the rental market um, abides by, let's say in in New York versus Sydney, Australia, is that I feel like the rental market right now over there is dominated by fear. People don't want to say anything because they fear that the landlord will say, you know what, you don't like it, go. We'll have somebody yeah. else come in tomorrow. Um, in New York, a big difference was that uh, the governor of New York, uh, Cuomo, signed uh, a legislation that placed a moratorium, right, uh, that prevents evictions. And, and they've been delaying uh, or they've been uh, preventing evictions to take place until August 31st of this year, 2021. We are today on July 8th. So there's still a couple of months okay. left. Yes, absolutely. So this is this is a, a, a COVID-related hardship. So let's say that you're a tenant. Out, I don't know. Yeah. So let's say that you're a tenant that that was having uh, maybe financial hardship or anything uh, regarding that. You uh, have to send a document explaining the source of the hardship, and you can prevent eviction. And see, that's the difference. I feel like in New York, the government really protects the small guy. Let's say the tenant. And they don't allow the landlord to evict you as easily as, as I imagine they can do uh, in, in Sydney. We did have yeah. similar during COVID. So ours ran out in March. So the government did have a protection place in order then to try and help tenants and landlords work together to resolve anything, to avoid evictions. But the second that finished, everyone booted their, their tenants out. So Oof. that ended in uh, the end of March and you have to give 90 days notice. So that was another thing I found really interesting about the New York market. You can't issue no grounds eviction notices, yeah. which you can here with 90 days notice. So those were all running out the end of June, which is why we're having such a mass of people at the moment being evicted and having nowhere to go. I, I mean, you guys can't do that <laughs> no well yeah and and here's the thing the 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 moratorium here in new york i believe the original moratorium set until february this year but then they kept delaying it and delaying it uh right now it's in august 31st i feel like we're gonna have to have another conversation like this afterwards to see if we are and we still don't know this but we might be heading towards a situation that's extremely similar to the one you're having right there right now and we just don't know it you know what's going to happen with that when that um expires is the the us is opening up a little bit more now isn't it from the covid yes um, yeah and actually Leon, let me ask you this because uh eleanor was telling me that you are right now under lockdown uh again today is july 8th when did this uh lockdown the second lockdown i should call it probably uh start or around where two, when two weeks two weeks ago and we've just had it extended for one more week um and i guess depending they're talking about it being the last one but it will depend on how people behave so unfortunately not everyone does the right thing um so if they do then hopefully we can get out of it but our vaccination levels um are not as high as some other countries so unfortunately when there is a little outbreak um, we do get locked down because we just don't have the vaccination numbers between between everyone. So the, the herd mentality, unfortunately, is more for the lockdown piece than the vaccination piece at the moment. But there, there is a push for the vaccinations. It's just we're not anywhere near the US, the UK and some of the other regions that have been hit pretty hard with a pandemic. 
And Leon, let me ask you this: um, Is it because uh, the is it because Australia doesn't have the capability to vaccinate everyone, or is it because of what we were talking about? Maybe it circles back to lack of education and people being uh, resistant to getting vaccinated. Well, I'm not a politician, so I don't like to comment, but. Um... I think, unfortunately, we, we had a bit of a false start with it. Um, there was a lot of, in the UK, for example, the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine is the one that's being used majority. So they've, they've obviously done a fair significant amount of their population. Whereas here, they backpedal quite quickly because we had a lot of um, issues with clots and things. Only a very small percentage, but because of that, I think it put the fear in people, unfortunately. And because they changed the age bracket, from below, I think it was below 50 to below 60. And then um, they, they've changed their, I guess their narrative a few times. So I think it's made people a little bit nervous. Um, and then on top of that, we had some supply issues, I think with the, with the Pfizer vaccine, once that was the preferred one. Um, and so, so I think it's been a bit of a knock on effect. We also didn't have the numbers here. So if you think, um, and I'm using the UK because I'm English, so I know what's going on over there, but like they were getting 60,000 plus a day at one stage. And up until this outbreak, I think we didn't even have more than 30 in the country for the whole year, a year and a bit. So that just goes to show the number difference. And mm. obviously we're spread along, There's, the area is a bigger country and things like that. So we're spaced out a little bit more. But unfortunately, because of that, where we are now is mm -hmm. we've got an outbreak, so we have to shut down. Let me ask you to this, are, are, you, are you vaccinated already or can I assume you're not? I'm not, but I'm also pregnant, so I'm in that not sure if I should or shouldn't kind of scenario at the moment. Okay. Um, but I've been advised that the Pfizer vaccine is fine to have in pregnant mm. women, so it might have to be a decision we have to make soon. Last time I checked, like a week or so ago, we were at four percent of the population vaccinated. Four? I think we're oh at nine God. now, I believe. Yeah, it's let gone me... up a lot. Nine. Okay. Let me They've give you. Really yeah. hard during this lockdown. So during this wow. lockdown, they've, they've basically um, said the only way to avoid lockdown is to be vaccinated. So a lot of people have been, I guess, incentivized to go and get vaccinated. Um, they've also suggested that you still have the AstraZeneca if you want, because the risk is still low, even though it's against health recommendations on mm. some ages. But they, um, I don't believe that 9%, Eleanor, is double vaccine. I think our percentage of, or in terms of numbers, I think we're only a million and something fully vaccinated and maybe 9 million with one vaccination and we have a 26 million population. 26, okay. Uh, in, in, in the US right now, I just checked it up in the New York Times. It says, uh, let, me, let me look at the number again, as to not misquote it, uh, but fully vaccinated total population 48% and yeah so that's really it, wow. good yeah. yeah and if you count uh, how many the, people you have yeah oh well yeah uh, the U.S. has a population of 320 million uh or around that I don't want to don't quote me on that number but around that um between I think 320 and 360 million something like that uh and it says if you count only people that are 18 years and older uh it's 59 so almost 60 percent of the population is fully vaccinated and let me ask you this Eleanor uh if if, you, if I went right now to your neighborhood and wanted to go grocery shopping um would I see people how would I see people on the street and on the actual market would I see them carrying uh, a face mask 
My area is actually really good. So yeah, most people are wearing masks here. Uh, most people are abiding by the rules. Some of our other areas um, in down in the southwest and where it was the eastern suburbs, I think they've gotten a bit better. Um, so places like Bondi Beach, um, people are very much just going about their day-to-day -day business, no mask. Um, <clears throat> businesses are shut for the most part, so restaurants are doing takeaway and things like that. But people are still out and about mingling in the streets. And yeah. in the southwest, um, I believe it's families, big um, big families are mixing, all going to each other's houses. Uh, and that's where our cases are coming from. But saying that, we have 30 cases a day, 30 cases a day. Okay, yeah, that's... that's... So our numbers are super low. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so going back to the rental market, because I feel like we deviated, but it was yeah. still important. A bit of a detour. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it, it was a small detour, but it was really interesting just to see the difference of how, how everyone's handling the, the, the pandemic and, and the ability that every you know, country has to, to distribute vaccines to all of their citizens, which is, of course, extremely important. But um, going back to the rental market, so you were saying, and this is super interesting, so vacancies are almost 0% in a lot of like zones or buildings just because everyone wants an apartment right now. In New York, we've definitely seen an increase of people coming um, back so when the pandemic began, maybe over a, a little bit over a year ago, we definitely saw the vacancy rate. And by the way, in New York, I, I, I've been a real estate agent for about maybe four years here. And it is a common occurrence to see the vacancy rate between 1.5% and maybe 3%. That's the usual vacancy rate in New York because it's a very sought after a city, of course. Um, during the pandemic, it definitely rose. I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe that it was all the way up to like six or 7%. And now it's rapidly going down, um, which is good for New York because it, it means that a lot of people are trying to come back. Everyone who mm -hmm. left the city wants to now try to um, try to take advantage of the situation to catch a lower rent because you, you can still catch a couple of months free. Uh, a couple of months ago, landlords here in New York, it was, it was common to stumble upon landlords who were offering up to four months free rent in a 16-month wow. lease. So they said, wow. they, yeah, four months is, 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 is I don't want to say unheard of, but there were very few landlords pre-pandemic that did that, usually like newer buildings to attract new clients. Um, but it was rare. And, and during the pandemic, during last year, it was super common for landlords to, to offer up to four months. So what they would say is, uh, you lease my apartment for a year and the next four months will be free. So 16 month lease. Um, and um, we've seen that, re that concession that the most common concession was four months uh, being reduced to three and now two months. And my projection is that in the very, very close future, we will be back to 0% concession mm -hmm. or, or pre-pandemic levels, let's say. And you know, here um, in areas outside Sydney and Melbourne, uh, people are paying six months rent up front to secure a property. Mm. So it, um, it's actually illegal in most states for, um, for agents to ask for more than, I think it's two months max in most states, but people are voluntarily putting down six months 
just to secure a property. Is that legal? Yeah. Even if they won't voluntarily put it, it is that still legal? It, I think it's a bit of a gray area, but they're not allowed to be asked for it. Mm. But because they're volunteering it, I think it's a bit kind of a, a loophole, you know? I really appreciate that you mentioned that because in New York, a couple of years ago, when I came initially to New York six years ago, uh, it was totally legal for landlords to ask for a six months or even up to a year upfront as, as a secure deposit or as yeah. a prepayment. Yeah, it was ridiculous because like, but it was it, it was a valuable tool for some for like very specific circumstances. And, and I put myself as one. I coming to New York six years ago, I am from Mexico. Right. I was a student. Uh, I had no social security number, no credit card, no nothing. So I understand that a landlord would have wanted me to pay a year up front or six months up front or whatever. Um, and I was able to do that, fortunately. Uh, a couple of years later, they, and, and this was maybe a year and a half ago or so, uh, they, the government came up with a new law that prohibits landlord for collecting more than one month uh, secure deposit. Yeah, yeah it's two months most states, yeah. Okay, that's it's, very it's interesting. Quite, like it's just it's pricing a lot of people out. I actually heard um, on a podcast this week that Australia's been rated the second um, most affluent country. So people in Australia are the richest, the second richest in the world after after Switzerland. Um, but that is mainly because of property prices. So because the property prices here are so incredibly high to purchase, mm. um, that's, that means that people are sort of worth a lot of money. Mm. But if you don't own a property, and of course, most, most young renters nowadays, you know, will don't, never yeah. own a property. They're completely priced out of the market. Then, yeah, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> That's sad. That's very sad to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. In, in here in New York, what we have is uh, a, a big amount of the new homes or properties in New York that are being purchased are, I, I want to say around like 35%. Um, but again, I have to check my numbers. I just, I recently wrote an article and I did my research and uh, it was a lot of millennials that are doing their first yeah. time purchase their first time home acquisition between the ages of like 30 and 35 I guess uh buying their first home oh wow it's completely yeah the other way here it's um so uh the the, the sale market um has switched now it's mainly just investors making purchases but that our prices are rising so quickly uh, I believe mm. Australia-wide in the last quarter, they've risen about 14.6%. 14, 14 mm. um, here in Sydney, um, the house prices have risen 28% uh, in the last six months. So the first first half of the year, 28%. Um, Wait, what? So now, in, in less than a year? In, yeah, in six months. I should have bought something a year ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, that's... Leanne did. <laughs> Oh, wow. Good for you, you too. Wow. People at the exact right time. Good for you. Yeah, so, Good for so you. Even families, young professionals, they can't afford to buy in um, our downtown areas anymore. Um, it's just investors, all investor purchases. So, so just to get this straight, about a year ago, we were in Australia, in Sydney specifically, it was a complete buyer's market, right? You have to buy right now. That was a year ago. 
today we are in a complete seller's market. You can't buy because everything's overpriced. Is that the case? I don't know that it was a buyer's market a year ago. I think there wasn't a lot of activity a year ago. Yeah. Okay. I know I'd, now it's I'd definitely say, a I'd say now that um, with, with the pandemic, you mentioned earlier about everyone left New York and is now coming back in terms of vacancies. Mm-hmm. However, what happened here was anyone that lived in the Sydney hub has realised that they can work from home now. So this new yeah. working from home phenomenon um, has changed uh, where people live. So, for example, I moved out the city three years ago and moved up to the central coast. It's only an hour from the, the city, but it gives me space. It gives me a garden. It gives me a house I can afford. I'm by the beach. I'm still close to the city. You know, all the things that you want. But I was also starting a family. So for me, it was perfect. So during the pandemic, a lot of people have made that change to beach or bush, I guess, is 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 what people have done. Um, and because of that, prices around where I live, when, when I first moved up here renting, was cheap as. Like you could get... Um, a big family home for what you couldn't even get a little apartment for in Sydney. I then chose to buy quite quickly and my mortgage is cheaper than what I used to pay for a unit down in Sydney in the suburbs. Okay, so the, 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 the dynamics just being out of the city means it's more affordable. However, pandemic hits, everyone can work from home. Everyone decides that the, I guess what's more important to them is lifestyle everyone started to have a slower life so people are making that shift out of the city so the city there's loads of vacancies i would say commercial property there's no one needs office space anymore um there's obviously people that are now going okay i want to live somewhere else mm. and the prices around here the rental prices have just gone uh, just gone up so what i was renting for a few years ago is ridiculous now but on top of that house prices have increased dramatically. So for me, it's great because my house has gone up so much. But um, <laughs> for people that are moving out of the city to get a bargain, that bargain is slowly disappearing out of their sight because of the, the market's going up so high. So pri- any houses that come on the market snapped up within a day or two now, whereas mm. you haven't got months and months and months of people putting their houses on, on, the, on the market because someone out of Sydney or someone that's making some form of change is moving... No, I don't just mean where I am, but the general shift out of the cities and suburbs and towns that are still, I guess, communable. So I like people that live up here would probably still commute to the city, you know, depending on what their their um, employers allow, but maybe two to, two times a week. Then so l- let really me ask doable. you this. Yeah, let, let, let me ask you this. Something, uh, another find uh, uh, or another thing that I that caught my attention recently, again, because I was I was writing an article that hopefully will, will be live soon on Forbes, and I think you'll like it, but uh, I did, I was doing research about how, how this new hybrid work environment that we're about to step in or have stepped in during the pandemic has affected real estate, right? And you mentioned something really important, which is most people realize that they don't need as much commercial space anymore, or as much as office space as they used to, right? So it's, it's highly likely that, and, and this is a prediction, let's say that I have based on what I've read and, and the expertise that I have is, do you believe that, because um, I, I believe that in New York, a lot of commercial buildings might end up being repurposed residential. for housing. Residential. 
Yeah, for residential, I mean, it, it completely makes sense. If you're the owner of so many commercial spaces and you see foreclosure in the near future because nobody wants to rent your space, um, why wouldn't you, especially since you said that the, that the residential prices have gone up so much, do you believe that that's a thing that may happen there as well? Possibly. It's just um, that the Australian market's different in the respect that, and we've obviously mentioned this a few times, that the mum and dad's, um, or the mm. successful businessmen or whatever are the people that are investing in these properties. So we've we've had a, and I think we touched on this last time, that um, we have a, a new, I guess, uh, government incentive here for the build-to-rent market, which is developers are purchasing property purely building it to rent out. So that creates a different rental market here in Australia, which I think is, is definitely well needed. Um, and I know it's very successful in the US and the UK and other places in Europe. Um, but it's obviously a new thing here, so people are still getting their heads around it. But I think uh, if the developers can probably get on board with that and, and I guess, purchase the, these uh, redundant commercial spaces and turn them into residential, then 100%. I mean, people still want to live in the city. I'm not saying everyone wants to move out of the city. Some people love that lifestyle. And, and I, I think it definitely suits um, the international students and... Um, the expats and people that are coming from from other locations to live in the city, live by the beach, do all the things that I did when I first moved here, where I had, you know, the, the best of both worlds. So I don't think the city will lose its necessarily its appeal. It's just the price aspect and, and the availability. Yeah? So you can only build up so much and the city is already so yeah. built that I guess the next thing is turning that commercial into residential, but I'm purely speculating there. I don't yeah, know that. But something that I really appreciate and that I would love to, to talk more about something that you just mentioned is uh, the difference in the dynamics that we have for building the U S versus uh, Sydney, Australia, right. Or New York versus Sydney, which is in New York, a lot of, of buildings in Manhattan, for example, the one that I'm in right now, their, their use of land is, uh, rental building, right? They built this whole building. They, it's a cookie cutter kind of thing, or uh, I mean, this is a pre-war building, so not necessarily cookie cutter, but a lot of them are. And they're owned by a huge conglomerate who has a portfolio of 30 buildings and they just rent them out. And that's what they do, right? The finish, the, the quality of the finishes significantly decrease because people don't treat them like their own home, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to talk a little bit more about dynamic because yes, you you were saying that that would be amazing for Australia, right? To, to have those developers start doing uh, something similar to this. My fear is, and, and this is just the other side of the coin, right? Is you're practically promoting more income inequality because there's gonna be a couple of white whales that are making all of the money and all of the other people who end up renting, right? Um, so what what do you what do you think about that? The fact that you know we're living in 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 a very different uh, I I would say side of the coin and and which yeah, one's better? I don't, think, I don't think we disagree with you there, but the renter shortage is is pretty. The rental market here is so different that I think we're crying out for some security for the tenants. Um, mm. people don't like being called tenants renters or whatever they are but the consumer that is actually not the one purchasing the property and needs somewhere to live it, it does give them a form of security that they don't potentially have from your mum and dad investor 
I moved four times in four years because the, the places that I lived in kept getting sold on me. And to, to up and move somewhere else, but not even that, even looking for somewhere is a full-time job in itself sometimes. And I, I agree, absolutely. A shortage, you're up against, you know, a tight budget or whatever your requirements are. If you have pets, your young family, your single parent, you, you know, there's all these different things that you can, I guess, I don't know it can be against you so I have two dogs and two cats so you can imagine what renting was for, like for me so oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> so where I am now not an issue because I I, I I I own this place but when I first moved up here it was easier for me to get a house that maybe wasn't looked after that great to have the animals in over something else um luckily on the coast everyone has animals so it's a different dynamics but in the city and I've got big dogs. So in the city, you have the smaller dogs that are allowed in apartments or cats or whatever. So it's very different. And like, if you're on a, I don't know, if, you, if you're going for a real estate or if you're going direct to the landlord and someone's looking at your application, let's just say you're a single parent, you've got one income or, you know, you're a student or what else can you get, I guess, tarnished against? You, you, you know, you're not from here originally, so you've got no rental history, like you said previously, when you first moved to the US. All those things have a negative effect sometimes on that rental site. Now, if you go to these built-to-rent, I guess, developer um, properties that are still fairly new, there's only a couple that um, are currently finished. Yes, the rent might be slightly more than the normal market, but you get so much more for your money. The difference is you get the security side of things. So as long as you Bless can you. pay your bills, you know, you, you can... <laughs> You can decorate, you can make it a home, yeah? It's not just somewhere where you're waiting to be thrown out in six months, 12 months, or whenever that person decides to sell their property. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I, I hear that. you. The, the security um, aspect of it, yeah. Uh, and just on something that Leanne said, so there was actually a survey came out um, last week from Tenants Union New South Wales, and they were surveying young renters, so people under 35, 49% of people that were surveyed said that they'd been discriminated against when applying for rental apartments. So 28% of them uh, was because of their age and 21% was because of something else. So, so that's, that's huge, right? Half of renters are being discriminated against. And it, it's against the law here to be discriminated against for age or- Question, um, yeah. Whatever. What protections? What protections do do you have? Because like in in the US, you cannot discriminate against like marital status, veteran status, sexual orientation. How they do it, I guess. That's the thing. So obviously, um, real estates are very unlikely to give you feedback as to why you were rejected. Even more unlikely to say, "Oh, you were discriminated against." Of so course. what proof do you have? And there are some organisations that you can go to. There's the Australian Human Rights. Um, and then there's there's another one in New South Wales, but people don't people don't know they don't know that they can go somewhere and complain, and they have no proof. So you're right, like there, there's a law that says you can't be discriminated against, but who's policing that and how? It's yeah. obviously not working. <laughs> and no one's going to actually say I'm discriminating you against you because you have dogs or yeah. because you have one income or whatever it is they're just going to say i'm sorry we had a, a better applicant that came in that we went for whatever it is so um you know i hear i read so eleanor's mentioned a few times that we we run a facebook group um to, for for tenants and renters of australia to get feedback and advice from other authorities that that work in this this space 
And the amount of stories you hear, uh, oh, my landlord gave me notice. Um, I've been looking for three months now, can't find anywhere. In a week's time, I'm going to be homeless. Um, or advertising all, on all the local pages, family of blah, 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 can't find anywhere, need to pay this amount. Like It really is a, a big issue here in Australia in terms of um, availability, affordability, um, and security. I, I, I think if, if it's somewhere that's going to be called your home, you want, you want it to be nice, especially as we all spend more time at home now with this lovely pandemic that we're going through. Mm. Yeah, and you said something as well that they'd, they'd yeah. asked for repairs to be done. The landlord had refused um, and then increased their rent by $100 a week. Wow. So, so two things. Um, Leanne, you said two, one thing that really caught my attention, which is um, availability, uh, affordability, and security. Do you think that those would be the three biggest issues or biggest concerns that a person would have when, when looking for an apartment in Australia? Yeah, and it's also, it's also the um, having the right to live somewhere peacefully. So unfortunately, landlords and real estate, I'm sorry to say, but um, don't always leave you alone. You know, they, because they, you don't know the rights or what your rights are, and I'm talking from a tenant's perspective here, Mm-hmm. Um, we hear horror stories on our on our um, on our group where oh the landlord turned up today with his parents or you know the, the real estate's been around four times you know if you're renting someone's property and you signed an agreement you know unfortunately there is bad people out there and there's good people I was I but, think personally I was a good renter and I always left the properties that I rented in a better condition probably than when I moved in but not everyone is that lucky some people trash people's houses which is why i understand landlords um frustration uh, the lack of doing stuff because they don't know whether they're getting a good getting a good tenant a good quality tenant um you know if you've got a good tenant you want to look after them i lived before my four years before moving i was in the one place for seven years and they left me alone it was an old couple they purchased the property when it was new um, the only reason I moved out was because they were eventually going to retire and they were downsizing and they were getting rid of the, some of their assets. But they literally left me alone for those years. They, Quick they, question, they Leanne. The odd mm-hmm. Are you saying that there are landlords who, when I'm living here in their rental unit, suddenly show up with their parents and stuff? Yes. Is that what you were saying? That is just... The that law is just... Is they're not allowed. The law is you're not allowed. There is... There is restrictions in place of the law, so you have to give a certain amount of notice. There has to be a certain reason, etc. But they don't—they don't all go to that. That's ridiculous. It's like, if, if, oh my god, I, I feel like it's—it's just—it it doesn't fit in my brain that somebody would do that. Like, I would just not open. But, and but then they don't would... want to spend loads of money on repairs and things like that. Let's just say I'm the tenant and you're the landlord, and I phone you up and say, "Hey, my toilet's broken." Wow. You might turn up yourself to have a look or whatever it is, but you might not tell me. So this is the thing. There's people on our group that they've seen people in their baby cameras. And but there's honestly all sorts they've of... They've been out of the building and seen the landlord in their home on the baby monitor, like whilst they've been at work or whatever. Okay, so <laughs> what I'm hearing here, that is, that is a clear message that I'm hearing from you is Australia needs... Um, a government um, 
unit arm, I don't know what to call it in English, that solely focuses on creating more tenant rights to protect those who are there. Yeah. Because the tenants are being abused by the lack of laws that prevent landlords from not evicting them. Not every they... landlord's bad, by the way. Like there is landlords out there that will do good by you. And I would say if you get that landlord, stay there. And if that landlord gets you as a tenant, you're a good tenant, keep your hold your tenants. But yeah. unfortunately, you know, prices go up. So, you know, landlords, real estate will force them to put their prices up, you know, and the yeah. tenant might have been a great tenant for five years or something. Like just leave them be like that they're happy they're paying yeah but leanne on it in all honesty i don't i don't even think that that should be their choice like i understand that you're saying there's good and bad landlords and the good landlords respect you but in my opinion it it it, it shouldn't be uh if they want to respect me then they respect me no 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 you have to by the law you know there has to be a law that enforces that otherwise it it's the chaos or horror stories that you've been describing there, there are agencies, um, so so there is like the, the Tenants Union New South Wales. Um, I'm not sure how it works. I believe it's like more of a charity set up than a government body. Mm. I'm not 100% sure. But again, it's one of those resources that doesn't really have any power, first off. And second, people don't know it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a huge education piece that needs to be done in Australia. Um, and I think when the tenants, so we had a heap of tenant rights change in Victoria uh, that happened throughout the pandemic. But on the back of those changes, loads of landlords pulled out of renting their properties because then they nice. suddenly felt that they had no, no grounds either. So like I get kind of both sides. Like if you're a landlord and a tenant trashes your property and you know that could be your highest value asset, you spent all your money on it, that could be your retirement fund, you want your property looked after. I get why that would be frustrating because that landlord then can't claw that money back. You know, you hear of all these horror stories. And then you've got the other side, which is the tenant who potentially cannot afford to buy their own property or, you know, they're Another thing here, I guess, is rent vesting. You you rent where you want to live and you invest where you can afford. So there, there's those different dynamics in Australia as well. Mm. And though those ones will be, um, you know, you just want you just want to be able to live somewhere that's comfortable, um, clean, hygienic, you know, maintained. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I honestly don't know how this will get resolved because there's lots of people like us that you know can see it but i don't know they just there's just not enough that's done unfortunately and so yes, that's what we're trying we're trying to do like that's why we set that's why we started dwell like we we did our research we know of all these problems um but there's there's so much to do and they cover such a broad spectrum so you know our answer is to allow landlords and tenants to rate each other through the app um, and you know that that goes a certain way to, to fixing some problems bringing a bit more transparency but yeah. then there's other problems that really need to come from the, the government, government you know and, and so let me ask you one last question because I know that I've that I've taken a lot of your time today already but one last question based on your experience um, where do you envision the rental market to be a year from now? What do you think will happen? 
So immigration will rise. It's it's slowed. Our borders are basically shut at the moment, um, but they're slowly opening again. More international students, things like that, are being invited to to come in. So our population will rise. Our need for rental apartments will rise. Development um, development has slowed, particularly of apartments. Um, houses they don't. They don't really build houses, build houses to rent here in Australia. So it, it's apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see a rise in rates, um, issues with, um, you know, vacancy rates continuing to fall. People will move back to the to the downtown CBD areas. Um, and yeah, I I I. I pessimistically think it's probably going to get worse before it gets better and a year is not long enough to to fix everything that's wrong here that's my thought that's a, that's a fair prediction what, what what about you Leanne what do you think um yeah I'm probably in agreement with Eleanor there like we lost a lot of international students during the pandemic and they're, mm. they're pretty key as well as travelers to the population uh, sorry the like I guess the market here um, so I think if they open the borders, the international students could potentially come back. And with that, you'll see um, hopefully the vacancy rates decrease. Uh, sorry, the, so at the moment, the city has lots of, uh, I guess, empty apartments and the, the elder places are full. So you'll probably see that change. The dynamics will change there because a lot of them will go to the city or the, the main hubs because that's where the, the universities and things are. Um, and, you know, you could have a knock-on effect yet. Yeah. Once they open the borders, you might see people go, I've had enough and leave. Or you might see the opposite where they want to come back over again. So I don't know. I mean, we we came over as, you know, I I, I travelled and all the rest of it and ended up staying. And um, so they've lost out on all those kind of um, numbers. So I think there will be a push on trying to get people back in, um, school shortages, etc. But also it depends on what happens with the market. If they keep putting us into rush lockdowns, businesses won't survive. So, I. It's a tough one. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a fair thing to say. No, it's a no, it's, no. it's a tough prediction at this moment. Yeah, because it, it can go either way, right? Yeah, I mean, we weren't expecting this this lockdown, were we? Like it it no. completely came out of the blue. We'd been our last lockdown lasted six weeks uh, back in. Was it? It was March, early last year. March last year, March, yeah. Um, and then we've been, you know, happy as Larry carrying on since then. And then all of a sudden it's like lockdown. So you just don't know. I mean, we've yeah. been really lucky in Australia generally. And Victoria's had it pretty harsh. They, they've been in lockdown a lot. Um, so it's probably nice for them to see us in lockdown for a change and not them. But the, the borders, even domestic travel at the moment is a hard one. Um, I think we need to get our borders open, but to get our borders open, we need vaccinations up. So it's everything's a bit of a knock-on effect. So that yeah. will obviously affect the housing market, the rented, um, the build-to-rent sector that we spoke about earlier is obviously a quite a new concept. So a year down the line, that will be there'll be some new developments that have been completed or near completion. So that might change some of the the uh, the rental woes. Um, but in terms of rights and obligations, I think there's a there's a lot more work there, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, 
thank you both for, for this conversation today. I think that there might have to be a follow-up in the upcoming months because there's so much to talk about with you. It's super interesting. Um, for everyone listening to this, uh, this is Eleanor Mireles and Liam Peters. They're both co-founders of Dwell Nicely, a property management company based on Sydney, Australia. My name is Rodolfo Delgado, and I am your host today, uh, CEO of Replay Listings. You might find all of the information on the description of this podcast, video, or wherever you're listening to or seeing this. Uh, I loved speaking with you, Eleanor and Liane, today. You were really, really helpful. I think that this conversation was extremely productive and insightful to see the differences between the market and, and, and the real estate industry in, in New York City, the US, and Sydney, Australia at this moment. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Have a good one.